Anybody else besides me really glad to be here today? Man, it's good. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I love worshiping with this church, my church, and uh, wow, this morning, just a great time of lifting up the name of Jesus um, in all kinds of unique ways. It was just so cool and beautiful. I uh, hope your spring break is off to a great start. I know for some of you, you're excited about that because you're in school, therefore you're out of school. For some of you, you are, you are parents, and you're like, what are we going to do with these kids all week long, right? Um, I know some are uh, taking trips right now. Well, they miss that, right? And uh, But it's good to be with you, and uh, good to see each and every one of you. In case you don't know, my name is Kyle, and just glad to be with you this morning. We are just a couple of weeks away uh, from Easter, and in case you haven't noticed, we don't wait till Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate it every day as believers, but definitely Easter is that day that we set aside to celebrate on a huge level the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, and that's going to be coming up. And so what we want you to do is to consider what you need to do ahead of Easter to, uh, to be prepared. We're going to offer two gatherings on that morning, one at 8. One at 10, some of you have asked a really good question. Will there be things for your kids and for your little ones uh, during both those gatherings? The answer is yes. So whether you come at 8 or whether you come at 10, whether you have babies or uh, younger elementary kids, we'll have things planned for them and your friends as you bring them. Uh, maybe for some of you, what you need to consider right now is which one do you need to come to? Not which one's more convenient, but which one do you need to come to? Which one's the greater shot at you getting your friends, your neighbors that don't go to church to come with you? And then just really consider that and pray about that. And maybe a lot of you need to consider coming and worshiping at one and serving during the other because it's going to take more people than normal uh, to make that morning happen. And so if you consider that, we'd really appreciate that. If you're like, hey, I'd like to do that. I'd like to worship during one and serve during another. How can I serve? Uh, just connect with us and we'll definitely um, put you uh, in a place where you can serve on that Sunday morning. Well, we're continuing on in our series in the book of Acts called Empowered, And I'm just excited to be with you in this portion of God's Word um, this morning as we're looking back at the early stages of the church of God and early Christianity and all that took place that literally are the, all of these things the reason why we are here today. Everything flowed out of this. And what we're seeing in the book of Acts is a mighty movement of God. And what happened was Jesus lived here perfectly he died for the sins of all mankind, but he didn't stay dead. He rose up from the grave. His followers witnessed this. They couldn't get over it. They had to tell everybody about it. And Jesus said, well, while you're telling everybody about it, let me make clear to you that's what you're supposed to be doing. And he gave them an impossible mission. Impossible. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, you're going to receive power and it's going to be through the Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witnesses and you're going to tell people everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world about me. And that mission was given to them, and that mission is given to us, and we are desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit to carry that mission out. Uh, the Holy Spirit is mentioned some 56 times in the book of Acts alone. And today we're going to look and see the Holy Spirit more and more and his work in and through the life of the early church just as he wants to work in and through our lives and our church today. Well, we left off really uh, at the end of chapter 4. We talked a little bit about chapter 5 last week. And very quickly, I want to speak into chapter 5, and then we're going to look and read in Acts chapter 6. So if you want to go and open your Bibles, you can open to Acts chapter 6. 
and verse number 1. And let me lead us up to this point. Um, Peter and the apostles were going about literally daily um, in places where people were gathering. And the big place of gathering in that day was the temple. It was a very busy place of uh, gathering every single day. And so the apostles went about teaching the word of God, mainly and specifically the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. While they were teaching about the gospel, the Holy Spirit actually empowered some of those men to heal others. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, Peter is being used so mightily of God to heal people that people are lining up their friends on the street with a mat, kind of like getting there early for the parade, you know, wanting the best seat in the house. But they were actually gauging which way the sun was in the sky at that time because they actually thought, you know what, if just the shadow of Peter gets on my friend, maybe my friend will be healed. Acts chapter 5. God's just doing amazing things. And the church continues to grow. They continue to preach. The religious leaders of the day, the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are really, really angry because Jesus is being preached and that was not their message at all. And so they arrested the apostles again, threw them in jail. An angel shows up in the middle of the night, gets them out of jail. They don't go home when they get out of jail. They go back to the place that they got arrested in the temple and begin preaching Jesus again. Only when you're filled with the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit of God will you do things like that. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. It says, but as the believers or the disciples rapidly multiplied. So think about this idea of rapid multiplication. They are growing by leaps and bounds. Um, the group that met for prayer in Acts chapter 1 was a group of about 120 people. By this point in Acts chapter 1, most scholars suggest that the church has mushroomed in size to over 20,000 people. From 120 to 20,000. I would definitely say that is rapid multiplication. Wouldn't you agree? So there they are, growing, serious, serious growth. Now let me tell you something. Gospel-centered church growth makes Jesus happy. Jesus rejoices when the church grows because of the name of himself being proclaimed and people coming to faith and experience redemption and the forgiveness of their sins. But believe it or not, growth didn't make everyone happy. Look at what else it says there in verse number one. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Set up the ropes because the lines are getting long for complaints. I mean, just think about it. They go from 120 people in a few days to over 20,000 people. Things are kind of crazy and things are kind of insane in that regard. And so there they are. I can imagine like a mic dropping down from the sky and this deep voice saying, let's get ready to rumble, right? I mean, people are just like, what's going on? This is happening too quick. Things aren't going the way we thought it was going to go. Ever had those moments in your life? When we had a kid, we had one of those moments, right? We grew. So we had a kid, and we made adjustments. We made all kinds of adjustments. We painted a room. We got a bed that had bars on it. I mean, we did all kinds of things, you know, to make adjustments for the growth in our family. 
Then we had two kids. Guess what we did? We made more adjustments for the growth in our family. And then our family rapidly multiplied. After having two kids, we had twins. We literally had four kids, ages four and under. We made serious, serious adjustments. And guess what? There are still rumblings and discontent in our home. (laughs) Growth presents its challenges. I mean, a family of six just getting somewhere on time is a challenge, right? It is. Buying Easter clothes that everybody likes is a challenge. By the way, pray for my wife. I think tomorrow is the day that she's taking them to get Easter clothes. Pray that it will go well. Pray that there will be no rumblings of discontent among them as they get ready to get new clothes to wear to church. Um, But that's happening tomorrow. Uh, Picking a restaurant, that's always fun. It's always fun. Even when you think you're picking a winner, somebody decides to go sideways on it. Getting to all the practices, baseball, soccer, and one of them is about to start swim. It's just, it's crazy. There were rumblings of discontent in the church as it grew rapidly. There was complaining going on. Uh, I believe we're going to put this scripture on the screen for you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Just check it out. This is in the context of the church. Here's what it says. Do everything. What things? Everything. Without complaining and arguing. In their context, it would say, let your church grow rapidly without complaining and arguing. What would that apply for you for in today's language, today's world, your family, your home, your church? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Check out the rest of the verse in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Here it is. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So here we have two groups of people, the Hebrew-speaking believers and the Greek-speaking believers. Um, There was obviously a plan in in the context of this early church for the widows to be fed daily. It was a result of all the sharing and all the generosity that the church had done that we've already read about in the first few chapters. And so they had widows in that day that needed to be cared for. Now, we don't have time to unpack all this, but we make this very, very plain that uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 makes it very clear who these widows would have been and what um, helped them to meet the requirements to get this daily distribution of food. Also, listen to me very clearly. If you have a widow in your family, listen to me. If you have a widow in your family, 1 Timothy, the Word of God makes it very plain that you have an obligation to take care of that widow in your family. And it uses some pretty strong language to make that clear. So if you have a widow in your family, I encourage you to read the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's going to speak very, very plain to this. But they had some widows that had no one to care for them. And they were feeding them daily. And we have these two groups of people here, the Greek-speaking believers and the Hebrew-speaking believers. First, let me talk about the Hebrew-speaking believers for just a moment. These would have been the Jews that were born, raised, and grew up in and around Jerusalem. 
They still spoke Hebrew, which was the native tongue of the Jewish people. They went to the temple regularly. Why? Because they were close in proximity. They would have held to the traditions of the Old Testament way of doing things. Whether it was in the scripture or not, they held to the traditions that would have been amongst Hebrew culture. The Greek-speaking believers would have been Jews that because of some reason, maybe it was the Romans taking over, this caused a lot of people to move and to go because things got really scary when the Romans took over. It could have been years before when other exiles happened, but this would have been other Jewish people that would have lived some other place besides Jerusalem. And they would have picked up the common language of the day, which was Greek. They would have spoken a completely different language. They would have picked up other things about their culture. The way they dressed and the way they went about their daily life would have looked a lot different than the Hebrew-speaking believers. They didn't go to the temple regularly because they didn't have the temple. There was only one temple, and it was in Jerusalem. They lived in other places far, far away. So they would gather at synagogues. They would gather at places that would speak Greek and teach the Old Testament. That's where they would gather. They were Jews, and just like the Hebrew-speaking were, now the Hebrew-speaking people that became believers in Jesus and the Greek-speaking people that became believers in Jesus are a part of one church. And there is rumblings and discontent among them. Imagine for just a moment. We have a church. The half the church are Razorback fans, and half the church are LSU fans. You're like, wait, 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 just a minute, right? You're thinking about that, and you're like, I don't know if that could work. Some of you are like, I don't like that idea at all, right? Some of you are like, I didn't know LSU fans could be saved, <laughs> right? Right? If that's you, you're getting where we're going with this. Are you hearing me? By the way, God doesn't care if you're a Razorback fan or an LSU fan. He's an Alabama fan anyway. Um, now that I've lost you all, let me get you back. Listen to me. God loves everybody. Listen to me. Jesus died for everyone. When the scripture declares, for all who call upon the name of the Lord, that they will be saved, it literally means all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You mean the guy that's got a rap sheet? Yeah, that guy. He's part of the all. You mean the guy that lives two doors down from me that just, oh, man, I don't know what goes on in that house, but I'm telling you what, it's not good. You mean that guy too? Yep, that guy too. You mean the person that grew up completely different than I did? Yep, them too. No matter what your church background is or isn't, you too. No matter what your skin color is, you're included in that. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're seeing it happening here. We're going to see it happen more throughout the book of Acts as the church is going to get stretched. Oh, man, they're going to get uncomfortable. They're going to get uncomfortable. 
And here we see these two groups of people. You could say the Hebrew-speaking group of believers, we, we would probably say that's the conservative group, right? And we would say that the Greek-speaking uh, believers, they're the liberal group. And yet here they have in their focus and in their heart, Jesus, Jesus. And he is who brings them together. Look on now to verse number 2. They've got this issue, verse number 2. So the twelve, meaning the apostles, called a meeting of all the believers. And here's what the apostles, the spiritual leaders said. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. Now we're going to continue reading and I, want to, I don't want you to miss this. This is a pivotal moment in the history of the church. Because think about it for just a moment. If the spiritual leaders would have said, you know what? We should give all of our time and all of our attention to feeding the widows. Guess what they wouldn't have had very long down the road? Any widows or any believers because the church would have ceased to be. Because a church is founded and continues upon the glorious, powerful word of God. And so they made a huge, maybe at the moment, unpopular decision to say, you know what, what we should do is we should spend our time teaching the Word of God. But in verse number 3, they don't stop there. They don't ignore the problem. They figure out a solution to the problem. Verse number 3, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit. Okay, we want to find some guys that are being controlled by and being empowered by the Spirit of God. Because what we're about to ask them to do, they're going to need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. So find seven guys full of the Holy Spirit and well-respected and wisdom. And then here's what it says. We will give them this responsibility. Verse 4. Then we apostles can spend our time in preaching and teaching, excuse me, our time in prayer, excuse me, in prayer and teaching the word. Now, we showed you a miracle last week. Let me show you another miracle this week. Verse number five. Everyone liked this idea. Do you know how amazing it is to say anything and everyone like it? I mean, anything. Free cars for everybody. Car for you, car for you, car for you. That's pretty easy, right? But they say, you know what? Here's our idea. We feel like God wants us not to focus there right now. We're not saying we don't need to be. But as leaders, spiritual leaders, we need to be focused on praying and on teaching the word of God. Find you some guys that are full of wisdom respected and full of the Holy Spirit, and let them be about this work. And again, verse 5, everyone liked this idea. It's so awesome to notice what's going on here. This is not the best idea ever, even though it's a great idea, and God's going to honor that idea throughout time. We're going to see that in just a minute. But something greater is happening in this moment. The church as a whole is allowing the Spirit of God to work in their hearts to the point that they are willing to adjust the way they need to 
so that spiritual growth can continue to happen in their church. Now, what kind of adjustment would this look like for them? Think about this for just a moment. Miss Sally, day after day, has had Peter coming to her house to bring her food. This is the same Peter that people are lining up on the street trying to get their friend on their mat in his shadow so that he can be healed. She's not going to get to see Peter every day anymore. It's a major, major adjustment. And yet they make this adjustment, and it says that everyone liked the idea. Growth requires change. Change requires adjustment. Change is always hard, but change is worth it for the kingdom's sake. Church, I want you to catch that. Growth requires change. Change requires adjustment. Growth is always hard, but it's worth it for the sake of the kingdom. Y'all are really quiet on that one, I think, because you think I'm about to tell you something's going to change, and I don't know that I'm going to tell you anything's going to change right now. I'm just telling you, This is huge, what's happening in this church. Seven names were listed here in verse number five. Stephen, of which you're going to hear a lot about next week, and uh, incredible man. This is a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philip, Prochorus, and you can just go ahead and assume all of these guys were full of the Spirit because they said select guys that are full of the Spirit. Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, And Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. Now, it's interesting to note, and we can't unpack all of this. There's so much here, but all of these seven names are actually Greek names. It was the Greek-speaking believers that said, man, our widows are getting ignored. And the church, probably at this point, had more Hebrew-speaking believers than Greek-speaking believers. And they were good with letting seven men with Greek names, therefore Greek background, probably of Greek-speaking language, to take this role on in serving in their church. We're going to hear more about Stephen. We're going to hear a little bit more about Philip as we continue to go throughout the book of Acts. And all seven of these men, again, being full of the Holy Spirit, very capable of carrying out the uh, objective that was given them uh, through the spiritual leaders and through the church and capable of so much more. And again, as we look at Stephen, you're going to uh, see that. And it says in verse number 6, These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And when the apostles laid their hands on them, it was much about the apostles saying, Yes, we see the Spirit of God in these men. And yes, we believe in these men. And yes, we are uh, commissioning them to do this task that we have given them. What we're seeing here is the early uh, beginnings of what we know as deacons, of which you read more about in 1 Timothy and in Titus. And we're seeing these men being called and set apart to serve, to serve. And they were glad to do it. They were glad to do it. And uh, what we're seeing here in this passage is an example of sharing ministry. That's what deacons do. They share ministry and are willing to serve in the way that they need to to get it done. This group helped. This group harmonized. They freed their pastors, their spiritual leaders up to focus on prayer and the word of God. They were an example to the church then and to the church now 
of what it looks like to serve, to serve. If you're not a deacon, listen to me. This is what church membership looks like. When somebody says, are you a member down there? You should say something like this. Yep, that's where I serve Jesus. Not, that's where I go to listen to sermons. You catching the difference, people? Now, here's what I'm excited to say. I'm excited to say that the majority of you, the majority of you, you serve. You serve. And here's what I want you to know. Deacon or church member, when you are willing to serve Jesus through his church, amazing things happen. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. So God's message continued to spread. Why? Because of these seven men, full of the Spirit of God, said, yes, I will serve, and they began serving gladly. The result of it was God's message, God's word, the word that the pastors, the apostles said, we've got to keep our attention on. It went further, faster, because of the service of these seven men here in Acts chapter 6. Isn't this what we want, church? Don't we want more people to know and to hear about Jesus? Don't we want more people to know that he died for them? Don't we want more people to know that Jesus came back from the dead so that they could have redemption? Isn't that what we want, church? Let me tell you one huge way that we can make sure that continues to happen. We talked about boldness. We talked about opening our mouths and sharing the gospel a few weeks ago. And, oh, I pray God continues to do that in our hearts and our lives. But we're seeing here in Acts chapter 6, one of the big ways that we can help the gospel go forth further and faster is through serving. It's through serving. Here's what I want you to get, the big idea, and that is this. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to serve for the sake of the gospel. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to serve for the sake of the gospel. Why does the Holy Spirit want to empower you so that the gospel can be made known? If you're going to serve so that the gospel can be made known, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to empower you. There are some people that show up every week on Wednesday nights on this side of the street And let me tell you something, they need the Holy Spirit because they're hanging out with fourth grade boys. We chuckle, but if you're a teacher or you have fourth grade boys in your home, you're like, oh yeah, God empower them. Well, they are because they come back faithfully and they just serve. They serve. They serve. The result of us serving for the name of Jesus is that the gospel goes forth, more gospel-centered growth takes place, and more people that are far away from God come to know him. Look at the rest of the verse. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. So we saw it happen in verse number 1. It kind of got help put on halt there for just a moment, rumblings and discontent. They made an adjustment, a major adjustment. Everyone was glad about it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse number 7, 
the message continued to spread, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. So again, just this rapid multiplication continued to take place. Why? Because everyone was willing to take on their role and do it for the name of Jesus. It goes on to say, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. Uh, have you been paying attention to what we've been reading throughout the book of Acts? Who are some of the number one opposers to Jesus and the church? The priest. The priest. Some suggest at this time in history that there were about 8,000 priests in and around Jerusalem. 8,000 of them. They were the opposers. They were the ones that you were watching out for. They were the religious leaders, yet if you were a follower of Jesus, you were like, they're over there, we're going to be over here. Or if you feel with the Holy Spirit, you just step up in front of them and you proclaim Jesus. And we see the faithfulness of God's people the Spirit of God, the Word of God, melting the hearts of some priests. Some priests. I mean, think about some people right now that you're like, you know what, if they got saved, I just don't know how I'd deal with that. If they started going to church with me and saying they believed, I don't know, I would just really, really doubt them right now. I'd have to see something. I'd have to see a lot to say, you know what, I'm good with you coming to church with me. I'm good to you being a part of what I'm a part of. Well, that's where they were with these guys. Priests had become converted to follow Jesus. Amazing things happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The fiercest enemies of God can be saved. And let me tell you something. Before you became a believer, guess what you were? The Word of God declares you to be an enemy of God. But now, through the grace of Jesus, guess what we are called? The friends of God. Do you see how powerful the gospel is? It takes me from being an enemy of God to being the friend of God. And so, I don't know if I was a greater enemy or you were a greater, greater enemy of God before we came to know Jesus, but here's what I know. We were all enemies of God. And you have some people in your life right now, around you right now, that are enemies of God. And through the grace of God, they can become the friends of God. Because of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his glorious, powerful resurrection. And maybe that's where you find yourself right now. You find yourself not being a believer in Jesus yet. And you are recognizing, you know what, my sin keeps me at a distance from God. And I find myself, according to Scripture, being the enemy of God. And I want to be the friend of God. Through Jesus and through Jesus alone, you can become a friend of God. And man, we would rejoice. We would rejoice. No matter who you are, where you came from, what you're doing, we would rejoice if you became a friend of God through Jesus. Well, I want to wrap our time up this morning with a heavy kind of focus on serving. And again, I want to commend our church on the way we serve. And I want you to consider that if you're not serving right now, to say, you know what, I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I feel like I want to make the gospel go further faster, and I can do that through serving. So I'm going to figure out a way that I can serve. There's so many ways to serve in and through this church. Sunday mornings, all kinds of opportunities, and all throughout the week. Couldn't list all those for you right now because I don't have time but I want God to stir your heart up. I want the Spirit of God to stir you up to serve. We've got nine men in our church that are active deacons that are just so glad to serve. Just glad to serve. 
Anytime we call them up and say, hey, we need, you know what they say? Okay, I'll do my best to make it happen. That's just who they are. It's what they do, and they're phenomenal. And some of you are like, I don't even know who they are. Let me tell you why you don't know who they are. Because they don't want their names in spotlights. They just want to serve. They just want to serve. And, man, they serve. And guess what happens as a result of it? The gospel is able to go forth further and faster as a result. I'm going to read uh, their names off to you, and in a few moments, I'm going to invite those that could be here today. Some couldn't be. I want to invite them and their wives if they want to join them, and we want to pray over them in just a moment. Uh, but these men serve as our active deacons right now. Jeff Davis, Donald Fulcher, better known as Coach, uh, Brandon Kelly, also known as Coach, but not so much known as Coach as Coach, um, Patrick Fisk, uh, John Crow, Matt McGinty, Paul McCullough, Keith Miller, and Mark Weiss. And it brings my heart joy to read that list of names, just because they love the Lord, they love their families, they love this church, and they love to serve. A great focus for these men is on widows in our church, on our shut-ins, and the needy. They are always ready to serve anytime that we point out a special way in which we need them to. And, man, God's message is spreading because of these men. But they would be quick to say this. They would be quick, hey, we're not the only ones that serve in and through our church. Let me tell you two of the groups, and I could go through a long, long list because so many of you serve in so many ways, and so do not feel slighted if you're not in one of these groups. Because, again, just so many groups of people serve in our church in so many ways. But let me tell you about two groups that have begun to serve lately that have made a direct impact on what God's doing in and through his church. One is through our welcome team that shows up on Sunday morning, and they're out front to smile and to say hello and to greet people at the door. Um, they started a little while back, and I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, you can look back at our church attendance. And when that group got going, and they started making it happen, and you guys make it happen in this room too, and thank you so much. In fact, I met a lady that's been coming for a few weeks this morning, and here's what she told me. She said, there's two things about this church that I love. And I said, what's that? She said, everybody here is friendly. I'm like, that's a win. And she said, and people here don't gossip. Hallelujah. So if you do gossip, don't meet her. Because you'll mess it all up. And guess what? You don't have to meet her to mess it up. If you gossip, stop it. For God's sake, stop it. For the gospel's sake, stop it. Oh, the book of Proverbs says don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, listen, just listen to the, what Romans 15, 7 says. So warmly welcome each other into the church, just as Christ has warmly welcomed you then God will be glorified. You know what's happening when people out there or you in here are warmly welcoming someone? Guess what's happening? God is being glorified. Another group of people I want to tell you about really quick um, is the kitchen crew uh, The kitchen crew on Wednesday night across the street with the middle, school, middle schoolers and the high schoolers. Um, man, we've got great ministries in our church, and um, student ministry is one of those. And um, Anyway, I was talking to Nick about this the other day, and he said when the kitchen crew started, he said, I no longer have to think about what food to buy. I never have to go buy the food. I never have to cook the food. I never have to clean it up. I never have to serve it. And here's what happened, literally. 
He can show you with the numbers. He can show you where that student ministry was here on a great level. Kitchen crew came on, and literally the attendance went like this. And it hadn't stopped. It hadn't stopped. Do you see what serving does? It allows the gospel to go forth further and faster. So if you are currently serving in any kind of way in our church, thank you, thank you, thank you. For the glory of God, you are serving. If you're not serving, may the Spirit of God just tug on your heart and say, that's what I need to be doing, and let's do it together. Oh, the Holy Spirit empowers the church to serve for the gospel's sake. Here's my prayer, that no opposition on the outside and no friction on the inside will get in the way and hinder the Word of God here at Holland Chapel. And that the same power that brought forth many believers rapidly multiplying in the book of Acts, the same would take place here. Because I believe we preach the same message. I believe that we have the same spirit, and he wants to change people today. Together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let's serve and make the gospel known. So uh, at this time, I want to invite uh, our active deacons that are in the room that can. Come on up. If you want to bring your wife with you, we'd love to, for you to bring them with you. We want to pray over you for just a moment and just tell you that we appreciate you. So uh, men, wives, if y'all would come on, that would be great. I know some couldn't be here today, and that's okay. So uh, all of them aren't going to be up here, but uh, several of them can be. Um, and so we want to invite them up right now. In fact, the ones that weren't here all texted me with... Uh, uh, apologies because they weren't here today, but this is a great group coming on up. Let's get comfortable up here. I know it, it's easy to do, right? So get comfortable up here. Hey there. <laughs> Would y'all just give these guys a hand of encouragement for their service? Amen. 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 Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you all. And now we're going to return the favor. I'm going to ask these, this group right here and our pastors in the room to thank all of you that serve. So we're going to do that right now. Y'all know I like to embrace awkward. Here's what we want to do. We want to pray for these men and their families as they just continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and willing to serve. And men, I want to look y'all in the eye and just tell you, I thank you guys so much. Your wives, thank you so much for who you are. We want to pray for them. And then we want to pray for each and every one of you that do serve, that God would fill you with the same spirit to do what you do. And then that God would stir all of our hearts up, that we would all find ourselves serving. And so similar to the way we prayed for the men that left for India just a few days ago and you heard from Nick, they're home, they're doing great. You're going to get to hear more from them and God answered prayers there. Uh, would you just with your hand, if you would, just reach out uh, just to signify you're praying for them. And when we turn this prayer to pray for all the others that are serving, if you just take that same hand, place it on your heart and we want to pray over you. So if you just put a hand forward, just let this group know that they're praying for you. Y'all can look up and see all these hands that are pointed your way because they're going to be praying for you. Balcony, y'all can, y'all, come on, come on. There we, there we go. There we go. Good. Let's pray for them, then we'll pray for 